Listen, if you have your Bibles today, and I always encourage you to bring your Bibles. I know that many people uh, access the Word of God through an iPad or a phone, and I, I preach from an iPad. I put all my notes on an iPad. But I always encourage you to either bring a Bible and make sure you can access the Word of God. Don't just take what I say for granted. Make sure that you are opening up the Word and, and making sure that we are... Uh, going into the Bible. I never want to preach. I never want to preach. I never have preached that I ever remember that I don't open up my Bible. And so I'm not here to share opinion. Come on now. I'm not here to share a poem or just cute little stories. I have cute little stories, but I'm not here to share those. I'm here to share the Word of God with you today. Amen. And so I always encourage you to bring your Bible or at least make sure, make sure it's facing the right direction. And... and <laughs> And then, and then let's turn to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to preach and start a series today called Conflict Management. Conflict Management, managing emotions and anger in the family. And so uh, we're going to talk about marriage, we're going to talk about family, we're going to talk about relationship. And so I want to start from Ephesians chapter 5. And even before I read that, let me just share with you uh, if you're new to Grace especially, now if you've been coming for a while, you know our story. My wife and I, uh, we've been married for, next month will be 25 years. And so it's been the 18 happiest years of our life. I say that because the first seven, we almost killed each other. And uh, if you haven't heard our testimony, we have incredible marriage testimony. Uh, but we had a bad marriage for many, many years. And I loved God. I prayed, I read my Bible. In fact, I was the pastor of a church up in North Florida, and we had problem after problem, crisis after crisis. We had conflict constantly in our marriage. We spent several months in our marriage not even talking. We didn't even talk. We did not like each other. In fact, we hated each other, and we were headed for divorce. And again, I was a Christian. I loved God. But I did not know how to be a husband. I was a terrible, terrible husband. I was unkind. I was mean in so many ways. And I know that's so hard to believe. I know it is. I know it's, it's difficult. But, but I just was a bad husband. And one of the reasons that I struggled so much is because I didn't know how to manage conflict. And I used the word manage instead of the word resolve or resolution because I don't believe you just resolve conflicts because there are many issues that we deal with that Cynthia and I have dealt with for years. And so, for instance, I tend to leave my shoes all over the house. It's just what I do. And I consider myself fairly organized and, and fairly clean. But when I take off my shoes, they tend to stay wherever I have just taken them off. And so every now and then I'll bring them in, but I don't bring them in to, you know, if I'm on the couch, I just take my shoes off on the couch. If I'm at the table, I'll take my shoes off at the table. Wherever I'm at, I just, I walk in the house, I just take my shoes off. And so um, I just, and then my wife will remind me. In 25 years, she has reminded me many times, babe, you've got three pairs of shoes in the living room. Do you think that they could make their way to the closet? And, uh, and I say, yes, I'd be glad to do that. But she has to sometimes remind me because I, I just either tend to forget. And so we don't just resolve conflict. In other words, you don't just have one issue that you go, okay, we're going to resolve it and we never have to deal with this again, right? In other words, we've learned to manage conflict. 
And when our marriage was at its worst and she had packed her bags, she literally packed her bags and was going to move back home. We lived about five hours north of here and she was going to move back home, which is West Palm Beach. We're both uh, born here. I was born here. She was raised here. And so we were just going to split up and I was going to leave the ministry and we were done. We were absolutely done. And then God just did a tremendous work in our marriage and uh, we really turned things around today. We have an incredible marriage, and I've taught on marriage for years and years and years, many, many, many sermons and series on marriage, and we learned how to manage conflict. I tell people this. We still fight. The difference is now we fight fair. We just fight fair. We fight so much differently than we used to fight. But you know what? We still have disagreements, and we still, she don't like to call them fights. She calls, calls them disagreements. I call them fights, but she calls them disagreements. Baby, they're disagreements. They're not fights. I'm like, well, it looks like a little bit like a fight, and so you use your word, I'll use mine, and, and then there's a huge difference of how we manage conflict today. So I want to talk to you about that and just some keys. And one of my issues is I've never saw conflict managed properly. In fact, I never saw in my home growing up conflict managed at all. And, and many of you maybe grew up in a home where you saw your parents fight, but you never saw them make up. You just saw them fight. You never saw them make up. And I didn't have any of that model with me. And my dad was, was fairly harsh in a lot of ways. And he was not a great husband. He was a good man, but not a great husband. And he, so he, he just had difficulty. I never, ever heard him apologize to my mom. I never heard him say, you know, baby, I should not have said that. I should not have acted that way. I never heard my dad come and apologize, ask forgiveness for anything to my mom or to us. He just, that was not in his DNA. He just did not have the capacity he felt to do that. Even though he did, because he was a Christian man, he just, he was just difficult. And so I never learned how to manage conflict. So when we got married, we just fought. My wife was very, very docile. She was just an absolute pushover. She was a doormat when we were dating. And then she ate wedding cake. And I'm not sure what they put in that wedding cake, but she just determined that the day we got married, she was not going to be a doormat anymore. And she began to stand up for herself. And I didn't know what to do. We had dated for five years, and I just mowed her over for five years. I could talk better than her. I could argue better than her. I could be more harsh than her. I learned from the best, right? And so I just mowed her over, and then when she began to stand up for herself, and we used to argue, and we used to fight, I didn't know how to handle it, so here's what I would do. I would just check out, and I would literally leave the house. And we had one car, and I was gone, right? I mean, I was just gone. And we fought all the time. We didn't have any money. We were so poor. We were so broke. And so we just fought all the time. And I would just leave. And then about an hour or two later, you know, I was a Christian, so the Holy Spirit would convict me. I'd eventually make my way back to the house. But I would not apologize. I wouldn't say I'm sorry. I wouldn't try to resolve it. We just would just go on like it never happened. How many of you grew up in one of those homes where you just acted like, oh, that never happened? You never saw it dealt with. You never saw conflict dealt with. And so I want to give you some keys today to how to handle conflict and, and how to manage it. Okay, we're going to talk about managing conflict. 
And so I want you to either write these down, put them in your phone somehow. We're going to first start with Ephesians chapter 5. And because Paul, who is not married, learned how to be a husband, even though he was never married, and how to be a father, he taught on it because he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the most incredible truthful words that are still so true today. And listen, regardless of where you're at in your marriage today, if you're single here today, listen, get these. I'm telling you, you need to hear this message today. If you're married today, maybe this is for you. Maybe it's for uh, somebody you know. Maybe you're going to have grown children. I have two children that are, that are older teenagers, and so I want them to hear this message. And so wherever you're at today on the relationship scale, this is for you. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 25 says this, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be a holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their wives, their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now watch this. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Now it says here, verse 25, Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loves the church. And then he says this. He goes on to say that it actually says in Genesis chapter 224, he's quoting it, and he says that, and this is later, he says that God said that for this reason a husband would leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two become one flesh. So if you take Ephesians chapter 5, just the first couple sentences, husbands love your wife as Christ loves the church. And then you also take Genesis 2.24, and every time I do marriage counseling, every time I do premarital counseling, I always go to Genesis 2.24, because the key to marriage is in that verse. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and two become one. Now, we think for two to become one, right? We think that that's addition. We think when we get married, they're going to bring so much, they're going to add to my life. And they do, right? But when I look at two becoming one, I don't see addition. I see subtraction, for two to become one, there has to be subtraction. What gets subtracted? Your selfish ways. Your selfish ways. For two to become one, there has to be a subtraction, and that means this. You no longer live for yourself. You no longer act by yourself. Your selfish ways have got to go to have a happy marriage. And you have to learn how to manage conflict. I want to give you five keys today. And we're going to go through them fairly quickly. I'll spend time on a few of them. And then we're going to come back over the next couple of weeks and we're going to really spend a little more time on a couple of them because there's, there's just a need to, to unpack a few of them. But I want to give you some keys to really learning how to manage conflict. And these are five keys for managing conflict. And the first one is this. You have to understand that emotions are not illegal. Right? Emotions are not illegal. 
When my wife and I, where we were married, I, and she would get emotional, she would be hurt or angry or sad, I would get mad that she was even sharing or showing emotion. Well, look at you, you know? And, and she would just be emotional. And I just did not give her permission to be emotional. I would try to cut her off because it actually made me feel guilty. And so I did not let her be emotional. And today I, I give her permission. Baby, you have the right to have emotions. Come on now. It's okay to be emotional. It's okay to be hurt. It's okay to be sad. Do you know it's even okay to be angry? In fact, anger in itself is not sin. The Bible says be angry, but don't sin. Right? In fact, Jesus got angry. So anger itself is not a sin. It's what you do with the hurt. It's what you do with the sadness. It's what you do with the anger that either leads to sin or brings healing about. So it's okay to be emotional. Come on now. That's okay. And listen, I get, I get nervous around couples who say they never fight. I get really nervous. One of two things is happening in that home. Either one of the two is just being a doormat and not getting real and not being allowed to share their emotions, or they live in separate houses. I mean, just, there's just no other way. How else, how else do you handle the emotion? I mean, listen, for two people to become one, there's subtraction. And when there's subtraction, there's conflict. And so there has to be the managing of conflict. And if there's not any disagreements, then somebody isn't being honest and open. Come on now. And emotions aren't being shared. So the first one you need to know is this. Emotions are not illegal. Number two, and you got to get this. It doesn't mean that your emotions are right. It just means that they're real. Come on now. It doesn't mean that they're right. It just means that they're real. Your emotions are yours. And I'm not going to degrade you. I'm not going to belittle you for having emotions. It's okay. Number two is this. In managing conflict, husbands go first. I said husbands go first. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, the very first word was what? Husbands. When Paul is talking about marriage and he's getting this from the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit doesn't start by dealing with wives. He starts by dealing with husbands, which means this. Any conflict that arises, the husband's responsibility then, if there's a breach, if there's a, a, a break, if there's a, a brokenness in the marriage, it is the husband's responsibility to go first to fix and repair the marriage. Hallelujah. See, I think we've misunderstood it when it says husbands are the head of the home. We think that's a place of superiority when really it's just a place of responsibility. Come on now. Husbands and wives are equal in every way. We just have different roles and different functions. And when it says that the man is the head of the household, that means his responsibility is to fix the marriage should the marriage be broken. Come on now. That means when there's a disagreement, when there's an argument, even if it's her fault, you husband, man of the house, keeper of the recliner, right? The one who controls the remote. 
you are responsible to go first in bringing peace to the relationship. Ooh, hallelujah. Now that was not modeled in my home growing up. That would have been the furthest thing from my dad's thought life, from any of his actions. He never in a million years would have thought I should go first. I should apologize first. I should fix it first. Come on now. But listen, I've talked to many couples. I have sat down from hundreds of couples, probably in 25 years, 26, seven years of, of, of ministry. And I've said to the men, well, you have, to, you have to go first. And they look at me like, what are you talking about? But her, it's always her. Come on now. Hallelujah. When God dealt with Adam and Eve, who did he talk to first? Adam. And what was Adam's response to back to God? Huh? God said to Adam, Adam, what have you done? And Adam's response was, the woman you gave me. I've told God that for years. I said, God, it's Cynthia. She's the problem. And God's looking at you, me, and he's saying, you got to fix it. Now, listen, it was, it was almost all me, but I never thought it was my responsibility to fix it. And then I read Ephesians 5, and it says, husbands, love your wife. Listen, when it came to your relationship with God, who went first? Come on now. Romans 5, 8 says this, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet, yet in, in the wrong, while we were yet away from God, while we were yet unrepentant in all of our ways, when we were at fault, Christ died for us. He went first. Ooh, hallelujah. Come on now, husbands. You want to fix the marriage? Guess what? You go first. Amen. That was so exciting. I had so much, so much positivity coming from you guys. Number three, create a safe place for open and honest communication. It just simply means this. You'll never have to pay a price for being honest with me. You'll never have to pay a price for coming to me with an issue. I won't hold it against you. I won't lash out at you. I will let you come to me and you will be able to just share your heart with me. I, you won't have to pay a price for coming and being open and being honest with me. You could tell me that my breath stinks and I won't retaliate and said your head is shaped like a peanut. I just won't, I won't feel the need to come back at you, right? And lash out at you when you come to me with a complaint. Come on now. Because many times we don't feel like we can even come and talk about things. And I've told my wife, you can come tell me anything. It doesn't mean that I'll agree. It doesn't mean that I will just comply. We'll talk about it. We'll be able to share our hearts. But she knows she has an open door to come and share. There's a safe place here. You can come and talk to me. And you won't have to pay the price for being open and being honest with me. Amen? Listen, nor will I bring it up every time we fight. And ladies, this is something that many ladies deal with. They really struggle with this. Because I've said this before, some women 
get hysterical, others get historical. And they bring up every wrong that a man has ever done. Listen, if you want to shut a man down emotionally, if you want to shut a man down, if you want them to check out, and I'm not meaning just check out of, of, of the distance-wise, I'm talking about checking out emotionally, mentally, in every way. You just keep bringing up his past. And you'll see a man check out faster than any other thing that you could do. So listen, that's why I said you have to create a safe space. You can share your heart with me. You can share the issues with me. You can come to me and tell me what's going on. And it's okay. And listen, we'll talk about it and we'll deal with it. And every time we have a fight or every time we have a disagreement, I'm not going to continue to bring it back up again. Hallelujah. Number four is this. We bring a complaint and not a criticism. There's a major difference between a complaint and a criticism. Listen, research shows that your tone in the first three minutes of any conversation sets the agenda and dictates how that conversation is going to go. Within the first three minutes, your tone sets the agenda for that conversation. If you come and you come attacking, if you come and you begin lashing out, if you come screaming and just irate, you have set the, the, the agenda for that conversation. But instead, if you come and you say, you know what? There's something you did yesterday. And listen, I, I, I love you. I'm committed to you. We're in this thing forever. But I have to share my heart with you. All right? Do you see the difference between how that conversation is going to go a, instead of lashing out and getting angry? Right? There's a difference between a complaint and a criticism. Do you know that we used to have, this is years ago, before we got really uh, unique with our words and we talk about things like customer service, we used to have a, a complaint counter at stores. You can come share a complaint. There was a complaint box at many stores. You could share a complaint. And, and it was okay to share a complaint, right? And so the difference, let me tell you, here's the difference between a complaint and a criticism. When I complain, I'm expressing my dissatisfaction with a behavior or a situation. Right? That's what happens when I complain. When I criticize, I am attacking your character and expressing no hope for change. Do you see the difference? They didn't have criticism counters at department stores. They had a complaint department, right? It would handle complaints. And it was compliance, complaints. And so, so you could share your dissatisfaction with a product, with an employee, with an experience. And that's all. It didn't just say you could come up here and say, your store stinks. The end. Right? And so when you come into a, a place, a location, I'll just give you this example. If you come into a store, you know, why is, why is it that Chick-fil-A has a line wrapped around the store? The chicken sandwich isn't that good. I know that's blasphemy for some of you, but it's just not. It's not good enough to have a line wrapped around the building into the, the main road. Their customer service is what brings people back over and over again. 
as opposed to going into another location whose name I won't mention. And it's like they're doing you a favor just to stand there and take your money. Right? You just don't want to deal with that. You know, a couple years ago, I was, I was scheduled to do a wedding. And it was about seven, eight days away from the wedding. And I decided I need a new suit. And so I went into Men's Warehouse there on uh, 441 in front of the mall, and I was going to buy a new suit. So I said, let me just go in and see what they got, if they got anything on sale. So I checked it out. So I saw a suit that I liked, and there was a person helping me, and she said, you know, for about $50 more, we could custom make you a suit. I said, really? She said, yeah. In fact, when we custom make you a suit, then you come in, and if you gain weight or lose weight, we'll, we'll adjust it for you for a lifetime. We'll, we'll take it out two inches or, or bringing it back in two inches, whatever. And we'll custom make it. It will fit you exactly perfectly. We'll measure you. And I said, well, how long does it take? She said, it takes about five days. I said, we'll have a wedding in seven days. She said, no problem. We'll have it for you on Thursday. So she measured me and, and she said, you could pick out the color that you like. And I picked out the color and I, I ordered this suit. And I came in Thursday. Actually, it was ready, supposed to be ready on Thursday. I came in Friday and I said, hey, I'm here to pick up the suit. And they just, they made some phone calls. They were running around. And they said, the suit's not here. And it's not going to be here. I said, well, I have a wedding. I have a wedding on Saturday. And the manager came out. His name was Jeff. And, and he said, here, you come with me. So he walks me over. And he says, I want you to just pick out a suit that you like. He said, you know, my size. And he said, do you like this one? And it was a really expensive suit. It was much more than the, the custom one that I had ordered. I said, yeah, I like that one. That one's nice. And he said, okay, I could have this ready for you in about an hour. And so he, he measured me. I tried it on. He had to hem it up. Everything else fit perfectly. So he just had to adjust the hem. An hour later, I came to pick up. And he just rang that suit up. And he said, here you go. This will do. And then... You'll still have the custom one. It should be here by Monday. And so I got two suits, one way more expensive than the other, for the price of one suit. I'm their customer for life. Do you see what I'm saying? Every time I go in there, I still see the same manager. He says hi to me every time. How's it going? Can I help you? I mean, their customer service to me was the best. I'm in their store for life. I love it. I, I shop there. And so it's because of why? Their customer service. Well, my wife has the ability to access the complaint department in my life at any time. I have given her free reign. Honey, you can bring to me any dissatisfaction with a behavior or, or situation at any time. I no longer, I will not shut you down from bringing to me any, any complaint that you have. But what I won't allow, and the same for her, we don't allow criticisms because criticism attacks your character. And here's how you know when it's a criticism. This isn't always true, but many times it's true when you use the words always and never, you're criticizing and not bringing a complaint. Come on now. So we have to, remember, I said emotions are okay. Emotions are not illegal, right? But also this, you have the right to complain. And complaining does not mean that you're criticizing, right? It's just saying, I'm, I'm not happy with the way things are. 
we need to talk about this and there has to be change. And it's okay to bring a complaint. My wife has free access. She has, she's, a, she's a valued customer. Come on now. She's my most valued customer. Now I have lots of other customers, you know, but she's my most valued customer. And so she can come anytime you want. Honey, you complain about anything that you want, but you can't attack my character. Come on now, you can't just attack and say that you always do this, you never do this. Come on now, amen? Number five is this. We forgive and we close the door. I said we forgive and close the door. Now listen, even when, let's just say it is 90% their fault and only 10% yours, guess what? You both have to forgive. You both have to apologize. You say, yeah, but it's, it's 90% their fault. It's still 10% yours. My wife would tell you this, and I would say it, that in our marriage, when it was bad, it was 90% my fault and 10% hers. And much of what we dealt with and what she dealt with was her reaction to my behavior. My anger, my harshness, my, my uncaring ways, I, I, did, I lacked sympathy in every way. I was just harsh. And so she reacted, but she reacted wrongly. Well, I had to apologize and I had to change, but guess what? So did she. She had to apologize and she had to change. And we just had to learn how to forgive each other. And listen, I, I have a 22-year-old, I have a 19-year-old, and I have a 9-year-old. And every one of my kids, with, with all the, the redos I would like, how many of you would like some redos? I'd love a lot of do-overs. I would love a ton of do-overs, especially when my, my two oldest were little. I'd love to take some things back, some behaviors that they saw, some fights that they saw. I, I just love to take it back, but I can't. But I tell you this, every one of my kids will tell you this. Dad has apologized to me on numerous, numerous occasions. I have heard my dad come to me and say, I should not have said that. I should not have done that. I apologize. I need you to forgive me. And when it comes to marriage, listen, one of the keys to managing conflict is learning to forgive each other. In fact, you could say this, marriage is just too a relationship between two great forgivers. People just really great at forgiving each other. And when you forgive, you close the door. You just close the door. See, I don't believe, in, I don't believe when we have issues, we, we have closure in the sense that we never ever deal with the emotion again. But the, the, whatever I'm holding against you, where the enemy would try to bring resentment or bitterness or allow some sort of unforgiveness to operate in our life because I know couples that are married for decades and holding on to unforgiveness. They've been married for decades and they're holding on to bitterness. They carry resentment to their spouse. They carry that all the way to the grave. Right? And as couples, we have to, families, we have to learn how to just forgive each other. Right? We have to learn to say, I forgive you and I'm going to close the door on the the hurt, I'm going to close the door on the pain. That doesn't mean that, that emotionally I won't feel it again. It just means I won't hold that against you. Come on now. I've learned to forgive. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment.
I want to spend some more time just unpacking a couple of those, especially when we talk about emotions, because emotions are easy to talk about, but they're much more difficult to manage. And when you're sitting here on a Sunday morning, and you just come out of worship, and you're sitting on a padded seat, and you're in fancy clothes and nice, you know, attire, and you come to church, it's easy to say, okay, I'm going to change, right? But when you get back home and you're still facing the same issues and you're looking at the same house and your husband still leaves his shoes in the living room, come on now. You have to learn, how do I manage the conflict now? How do I do this? It's harder to do out there than it is in here. But we're going to start in here today. Is that okay? We're going to start in here. The day our marriage changed is the day that I looked in a mirror in our double wide trailer up in North Florida. My wife and I were struggling in every way. We, we didn't have any money. The church was going okay, but we had struggles. We had issues. And we had just hit rock bottom. And I, she was in the bedroom packing her bags. And I went into the guest bathroom and I looked in the mirror and I said, okay, it's time to change. And I wasn't looking at her, I was looking at myself. And that's when we began to, to seek out help and we began to say, okay, but listen, it started with me. I knew that I had major problems. And then I just learned to to manage conflict differently. I learned how to love her, and we're gonna talk about that because that's one of the keys. So I just learned how to love her. And today we still have conflict. Uh, We still have disagreements. She calls them, I call them fights. She calls them disagreements. She still doesn't listen to everything that I say. (laughs) Come on now. But we fight so much differently than we did. We fight fair. We don't go to bed angry anymore. We've learned how to forgive each other. And it took about two years after I looked in that mirror. It still took another two years for it to turn around. It wasn't overnight, but it turned around. Today we have an incredible marriage. We teach couples on marriage. We counsel couples. So I want to pray for you today as we learn how to manage conflict, not just with our spouses, but also in the home, with our kids. We're going to talk about that as well. And then we're going to talk about relationships. Maybe it's a different relationship that you have. So let's pray today. Right where you're at, can you just close your eyes, bow your heads for just a moment. First, let me ask this. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'd love to pray with you today. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm away from God. And I know this message It's perhaps a little different, but I want you to know the truth of this. That none of us are promised tomorrow. And I don't know this, I pray it's not, but I don't know if this is the last opportunity I ever get to share or the last opportunity you get to hear. But if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I'd love to lead you in a prayer today of forgiveness, receiving today what God did in Jesus on the cross.
and allowing forgiveness to come into your heart. If you need prayer for that today, would you just raise your hand very high, boldly, and say, Pastor, that's me today. I need to ask Jesus Christ to come into my heart, forgive me my sin. I'd love to lead you in that prayer today. Hallelujah. Now let me pray for you today. Maybe your spouse is here. Maybe they're not here. If you're single today, boy, I'm glad you got this. I'm glad you're listening to this today. You might be here and you're divorced. And you say, Pastor, I've made lots of mistakes. I'd love some do-overs. He's the God of a second and a third chance. Let me pray for you today. Father, for each person listening today, today here we have some husbands, we have some wives, we have some dads and some moms. We also have some singles today. We have some divorce. We have some widows and widowers. Lord, I pray right now that as we're listening to this series on how to manage conflict, that Lord, we would learn that there's a real enemy that's trying to come and drive a wedge in our families, a wedge between husband and wife, a wedge between the parents and the children. He's trying to cause division between friends, division at work. And so we recognize the plan and the attack of the enemy. And today we make a commitment to learn how to manage conflict differently. Lord, teach us today. Teach us how to be better husbands. Teach us how to be better wives. Teach us today how to be better fathers and mothers, how to be better friends. For those who are single today, divorced, widowed, Lord, as they perhaps make plans, some might here making plans for that relationship. Lord, I thank you that they're going to go into that relationship with a new set of tools and understanding to have the best marriage they possibly can. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet today?